One thing anyone working in sports marketing, especially the football space, will know is that a great deal of your day-to-day content comes down to predicting, preparing for, and reacting to moments happening in live sport, which isn't the easiest task as any brand who aims to be always on, I'm sure, will know. Now, we might be biased, but a brand that does this exceptionally well is Puma, which has in the last few years focused on putting out high-quality, personalized creative for both the brand and its athletes all over the world. Now, to talk a bit about how Puma makes this happen, we're joined today by Abby Rogers, the team head of global creative content for Puma, where she's been for the last four years in various roles. Yeah, and I've worked personally with Abby for three years now and loved every minute of it. Like he said, you know, here at Social Chain, we, we work closely with Puma, working on something called a social factor, which we talked through in this episode and, and creating that reactive and proactive content for Puma in ways that is very different to their competitors. Now, coming up in this episode, we cover why reactive content sometimes doesn't actually have to be reactive, why working in a small team could be a blessing in disguise. We've got some tips for sports social media managers to avoid the scramble at 11pm on a Saturday night and what actually happens in the content graveyard. We'll start off how we normally do with our overarching question and this week that is, why does Puma prioritise key moments rather than product on social? Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's really exciting to be here. And obviously, we're doing some some really good stuff with you in the last year. So I think generally, um, obviously, we are a sports brand, so we do have products to sell. Um, I think that's a given. But I think what we try to tend to prioritize, at least on social, is more like the culture around sport and pushing sport forward and like generally kind of trying to follow the ethos of uh, like the brand values, which fit more into like this culture and what we do at Puma around that versus maybe just like the hard sell. I think it doesn't represent what the brand is trying to do and what they kind of stand for. And essentially that's like the vision that everyone can play or everyone who wants to play can play. So I think it's about like that, trying to get that inclusivity in that. And so how we do that from the social strategy perspective is around like key moments and versus like focusing on what our athletes and ambassadors and everyone is doing in those moments that tie to the brand like authentically versus, I don't know, on social being like, okay, this is this product we're launching. And I know we do have product launches integrated within that, but you know, the bottom line to try and to try and do that is to build a community and like more inspire versus like a sell. Um, so I think it's kind of how socials evolved over the last few years anyway. And I think these key moments from both a brand and a com- consumer perspective is like integrated into the calendar and the key moment that we pull together. So for us, it's like, as I said, like sharing these brand values to consumers whilst also making it relevant in the kind of cultural and sporting landscape that us as a brand are fitting within. And what would some of those key moments look like for you guys? Variety, but um, we tend to try and do obviously like an overarching year plan up front. And then from that, we will look more into depending on what business unit. Uh, so specifically for football, we look at the calendar. We look at like what products we have within that calendar, the ambassadors that we have, the uh, the games, the clubs, like everything that fits kind of into this football um narrative plus then obviously you've got like your social trends and your reactive content that fits into that so i think all of them is what we look at and put within the calendar and then we obviously work through what like maybe not a specific percentage of stuff but you know look at like how much we want to communicate uh, in those different buckets and pillars of content and kind of work and build this sort of moments approach based on that so we talk about key moments and i think 
obviously live football requires you to prepare for absolutely everything that could happen. Obviously, you know, sports, social media managers working in, in the field will know that, you know, how stressful it can be when a goal that you weren't expecting goes in with a player who you weren't expecting to score it and then, you know, the scramble's on. So what steps do you actually put in place to, to plan for reactive? Can you plan effectively for reactive and, and how far ahead can you realistically plan for something that, you know, you don't know is going to happen? Yeah, I think everyone that is in social or specifically in the football social space is going to know that there's a lot more planning and back-end work than, than maybe people realise. Mm. Uh, and it takes a lot more to look like you are ready for a reactive than than maybe what you'd like to you like to make it think on from the outside. So I think for us, uh, we approach it different per scenario and obviously different um, level of moment specifically. So I think we do try to prep and be prepared for kind of every eventuality, but obviously that is impossible in the world of sport and like live reactive. So I think with the volume of teams that we have like in the Puma family, you have to basically just be on top of it more from an organizational perspective, like in terms of the planning that, go that goes into it. Because like you said, there's the games, the goals, the milestones, reactive, unplanned competitions, like a lot of it that goes into this kind of approach. Um, and I think with the amount of teams players that we have because we're from a global perspective there's quite a lot of teams or quite a lot of mm -hmm. uh, people that we need to keep on top of so we try to have a like we said like this year plan that then we obviously review it every couple of days every week that we look at you know how things are progressing things that have changed and have there's almost a balance between like pure reactive which is probably only five or ten percent in the end versus like a planned reactive which is more like we probably can anticipate that it's coming and i think that's where we tend yeah. to try to get ahead of the curve in having that sort of done and thought of uh certain times we create content that maybe is specific to a like a very specific moment be that a player goal game but sometimes you can also then have the content that's a bit more generic that could fit to a reactive and I think we have to have the balance between the two because like you said it's impossible to be on top of everything uh, and if we tried to do everything very specifically we'd have a lot of stuff that would not be used so it's a balance between the two plus then I guess always being on in some capacity for those times when something happens that you like weren't expecting or no one could have predicted which means yeah it's a lot of evenings football I mean you have to watch football and enjoy it to be part of that otherwise I think you would go a bit crazy exactly well, I think it's it's, it's it's interesting because react like how you broke reactive down there because we saw um so Steven Bergvine scores two goals in 80 seconds to win Spurs a game at, yeah. at Leicester and Spurs actually posted 24 hours later with like a reactive graphic which is still reactive because obviously it's been made to react to that moment, but it's 24 hours later. Yeah. Yet the engagement on it was still massive because that moment still carries through. So I think if the moment's big enough, then the engagement will still be there. And, you know, obviously 24 hours gives you enough time to react to that. You know, if you're talking like an hour later, that's a big scramble. Some clubs do that, but some go on 24 hours. So it is, it is just different. Yeah. And I think it's almost like knowing, I guess, your audience is different probably on a club's channel versus a brand channel. And also like, having that understanding or experience of needing to go immediately versus knowing like your window of opportunity kind of also helps you tailor it a bit. I know sometimes like you just need to be in that moment regardless at the beginning to kind of lead that conversation. So then you may be a little bit less strict on 
creative approval or, or timelines or what you're actually going to put out mm. versus something that maybe needs more layers or more people involved or more like technical uh, scramble, let's say, at the end of the game. I guess if you guys are planning for a match where you've got some of your athletes involved and you're sort of, you can plan for the outcome of that match, whatever it's going to be like in terms of the final score, but you can't account for like who's going to make the goals and things like that. But I imagine even just with, um, you know, the former, like just planning for outcomes, there's a lot of content that gets made that doesn't actually get used i mean can we hear a little bit more about behind the scenes and as cal refers to it as the content graveyard and the stuff that no one sees i don't know if it's an industry term or a cal term that that we do but i like it I don't I'll know. take it. That's, I've that's only fine. I've heard Kyle say it, but you're like, <laughs> I'm giving him too much credit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. Uh, at least it's not a real graveyard. But yes, we do have a unofficial um, sort of area that a lot of content goes into, and we hope one day that we can pull it out of it. But it, it feels like it's a hazard of the job at the moment of how it, the kind of industry or socials evolved. That um, it's kind of like this re- reactive nature. So. I mean, if someone has a, a way of it not happening, I'd love to hear it because at the moment you do, it's like a, yeah, it happens. Uh, hopefully we try to eliminate how often it happens and like how much, you know, is actually wasted versus like being able to be recycled and repurposed into something maybe uh, for another moment or a different um, time. But generally, yeah, it does happen. There's a lot more stuff. And I think when you have to plan for multiple scenarios that may or may not happen, uh, so like clubs for games, goals like you were talking about there's so many potential things that could happen you mm-hmm. have to be able to be prepared for that the flip side of that is the risk of it not being used and like almost a waste of time and resources so i think to limit that we do like we said try to repurpose some stuff but it's yeah it's not always possible so you have to we have to judge because we're quite a small team maybe on internally versus what we are perceived externally so we have to make sure that we kind of invest in the right moments that we think will help us, um, you know, get across that message we want to do, but also support our ambassadors in big moments of their time. So it's like juggling or picking between what those moments are, uh, accepting we're not going to be doing every single thing for every single player because it's thousands. Um, (laughs) And also trying to look between like a global and a local relevance where, you know, we can work with like you guys in the UK, but also then with other countries and other um, markets to do stuff. So even if we can't globally talk about it, we can talk about it in those local markets. So it's kind of how we try to make sure we don't lose too much. But yeah, it does happen. Yeah, I can imagine. But I think it's like striking that balance, right? Because one of the things I absolutely love about Puma's content and the stuff that um, you know our team here has been able to help with is a lot of the content like for these moments is very like personalized and very specific. Yeah. So it's quite clearly about one thing that's happened. So I guess even if like it was a bit more vague, you could potentially use it for another moment later down the line. It might not have the same impact when it's delivered. So yeah. do you find that you have to sort of pick and choose moments a little bit more than perhaps a club would have to account for when they are a bit more on it with like all the moments all the matches you can maybe take your time and just go that extra mile and make the content that bit more special yeah no definitely I think even just working with some of the clubs that we we have like within the Puma family you can see that it's obviously a huge resource and um, arm of their communication so they do have generally a lot more people um, than we do and obviously they have a lot more opportunities and situations which are very targeted and specific to their audience Um, and we being a global brand have a 
I would say more diverse audience that we have to try and accommodate to. And I think, like you said, like bringing some local players up to like a global visibility and vice versa, like means that not everything is relevant for everybody. So we do need to pick and be kind of more tailored on some of the stuff that we want to communicate, yet get the balance of like giving opportunities to like maybe not always your Neymars of the world, but you're giving the the next gen. I think that's something that we like to do on our channels is like more like fam visibility and it feels like for us it's really important like the the puma fam is like this community and we want to make sure that we're showing lots of different ambassadors from different levels that also represent us and what we kind of are who we sponsor and what we stand for so i think it's like a, a balance again like everything to to kind of get both sides of that covered yeah it's interesting when you say community because i absolutely get that with puma um, whereas you've got kind of Nike and Adia, well, especially Nike, so kind of focused on the emotional aspect of sport. Um, I think sometimes it can be hard for younger, especially kind of like the football obs obsessed teen market to feel really connected to that emotional side of sport so young. And I think that's what Puma really, really gets. So just covering a bit about our work then. So we work typically at Social Team with the UK team and um, we coined something called Social Factory, whereby going back to the reactive and the proactive elements, we create assets, whether it's uh, graphic design, illustration, animation for a lot of the, the Puma UK athletes for the market so again if something goes in you know a goal goes in for say i don't know maguire scores from the halfway line that we weren't expecting we'd be on hand then to create uh content not only for global channels but probably more specifically for the athlete's own channel so why is it so important for puma to leverage athletes own channels as opposed to creating content for the global brand itself is there is there a balance to be had here between um getting Puma visibility on uh, the athletes' channels as opposed to just the brand channel. I mean, you can see just by looking at the channels. If you look at the the reach and the audience size of even just the ambassadors alone, obviously depending on who they are, they are huge, and it's a massive way of communicating with maybe an audience that we don't necessarily have directly on our own channels. So if you look at it as a collective, if you tallied up all the reach and the followers that across the channels that we have from all the ambassadors, it like far outweighs. Massive. what we have on our own so for us it's like more important that you know we have good content for their channels uh, also is not very it doesn't always feel like super brandy and like quite forced it feels like it can fit naturally into their own aesthetic or their own like communication style i think that's just as important for us um as what we post on our own channels so i think it just adds another layer of like needing to facilitate more than your own um channels but i think it allows you people or allows them to have content that's specific, like you said, to their own milestones, to their own moments that feels like relevant for them. Uh, and it allows us yeah. to get visibility on their channels and like more visibility continuously. So it's kind of like we are identified as being their partner and supporting them, um, which I think is unique in compared to hopefully what other people are doing or other brands are doing in that space, because we try to do it across more of the ambassadors, not just like our tier one global bigger names it's also like you said you guys working with the local players that you're giving them and you're giving them very quickly after that moment's happened so it's front of mind for them that they can they hopefully then use it um for you know kind of mutual gain 
Yeah, because we don't you don't typically see it from other. Oh, I've not seen it really uh, with many other kind of sports manufacturer brands. I think you see it from clubs because they obviously treat them as their players, as yeah. their asset, so to speak. But to see it from free, see it from Puma, I think again it comes back to that community feel mm-hmm. that a youth player can feel as respected as Neymar. That for them goes a long way. And even going, you know, moving on to like signing players, it's, it's actually quite a good bargaining chip to say that you respect them at the same level as you'd respect someone who's tier one I think no I think it definitely does help um obviously I'm not in sports marketing but like just us like you said being more uh, available or putting more time and resources into those everybody not just the top ones because I think I mean you know that it's quite a big disparity between like your next gen and then the, the face of the silo of that shoe for a brand so I think it's also about like nurturing them when they're younger and getting the buy-in as early as possible that we are there to support them um, versus just use them as like a commercial gain. I think it's really effective even speaking from like sort of outside the sports marketing bubble. I can appreciate that it's not something you see um, like from every sports brand, like Carl said, not something you see every day, but it really does speak to that community aspect and like these athletes can act as real conduits to the brand. And it's very easy to appreciate how, you know, if someone had a specific you know affinity towards a certain player, that could really lead them to that brand and that really personalized content that you're seeing, not just for like massive moments but in a lot of the sort of always on content as well um it's a really nice way of just constantly touching base with them with that community and with those fans we're trying to to kind of get it bigger and better but obviously it takes a bit of time and uh it's kind of learning on the job as well and that Mm. social changes very quickly like we all know so it's also like adapting (laughs) how we work and our processes to fit in with what is working what's relevant then as well Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a question of resources as well, isn't it? I think anyone listening and, you know, the conversation that always comes up when we're speaking about anything reactive, it's like, well, how do you prioritize, you know, this moment over that moment? And no one can be always on all the time. Although I will say some of our sports team really (laughs) do like push the boat out um, on that. They work much longer hours than (laughs) than I'd want to do. So, yeah, But but it is a balance. I mean, for you guys, when it comes to this sort of always on BAU content that's constantly ticking over how have you been able to make sure that you aren't you know wasting too many resources and putting too much of your time into you know like the content graveyard again and making sure that you still show up for your like I don't know constant campaigns or seasonal activations or the product marketing that you do still have to do I think it's kind of not to be repetitive but just more like in this tailored tactical approach hopefully when we we're creating it so we create the stuff um sometimes for a very specific moment and then we just have to make sure that we have that balance between like the generic approach to make sure we're kind of covered from both angles and i think we just sit down as a collective with both like the globally and locally to make sure that the calendars are built out for you know as much as we can plan from those appropriate moments for and have a balance of you know not just the neymars and the griezmanns but also the the local um and like other players so we kind of sit down early enough that we look at them and try to have that balance across the board of making sure everything that a UK or France or Germany flag as, you know, this is a key moment for us in our market. We elevate that to a global and work with them to get a balance across there. Um, And I think 
yeah, like we said, we're a really small team versus like maybe the overall brand uh, size or perspective. So that does help us in some ways of being able to be quick and kind of nimble to react and maybe less layers of approval or hierarchy that, mm. that maybe some other companies might need to go to, which was, for me is great in terms of like, you know, starting from a junior up to now of you're empowered, you're given a lot more responsibility than maybe you would get elsewhere. But then it also on the flip is like you said, you don't have big as big a budget you have to be a bit more resourceful and i think our content style now uh, as we've updated uh, over the last couple of years you can like clearly see a difference between you know us and maybe some of the other um other brands or clubs in in that space and so that's uh, not just a reflection on obviously it's getting the content quicker easier doing things uh, in a bit more of a nimble fashion but also reflecting like the content style that is currently kind of trending on social and I think it's a bit more authentic it's a little bit less uh brandy it's a little bit less um well polished and 50 rounds of video approval feedback it's a bit more like we use our iPhone we're a bit more like you know not freestyle but it's like it's part of the strategy to be there in a way that's also helps us reflect the challenges maybe that we have uh, as a as a team I think people appreciate that kind of content as well that when it isn't overly polished because especially for like sports coverage and content you get that on tv I think the whole point of being able to connect with these athletes and brands on social is that it does feel a little bit more one-to-one so you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that but I think you made a really good point there actually um if there's any like small teams listening that want to be more reactive and think okay well we don't really have enough people to manage that all the time it's probably out actually more time consuming or like worse for there to be a massive corporation or loads of higher ups where like you said all these approval processes have to go through so that really slows you down more actually I think the like smaller and newer your brand or company is the faster you're actually able to act and I think you can see it just like with the the brands that are or do really well on social even outside the industry that we're in you can see that like a lot of brands have grown very quickly because of that ability to have a very like good understanding of what they're con I think it's more about how the communication and what your message and how what you stand for versus maybe what the content always looks like and I think it's like Mm -hmm. sometimes people miss the balance of that and they think that you know you can have a really great spend all this money on a piece of content but it falls flat because at the end of the day people like everyone can see through it ever like the the way that our generation or even now older but like you know they want to be targeted to is is more from that authentic and they want to be able to trust and rely on uh what they're being told and not just sold to so i think like you said it's a balance there of investing in content and us as a creative content team uh kind of delivering against that but also working making sure that collectively the message the what we're doing what our brand everything fits in with that as well so it's like you can't do it on your own it's like a wider company thing and I think like you said smaller companies sometimes I mean there's there's the balance isn't there so it's you have the money you can do it but then also you have the layers and you have the yeah you you can never have it all at the same time can you exactly I don't know about you Eve but I I much prefer working in smaller teams and working in an agile way and and it just you know no one wants the arguments and the yeah going back and forward like say 50 rounds no one wants that you know it makes no one's life easier I feel like when there's a million people involved like inevitably by the time it's finally signed off it's just like lost all of its charm exactly and like, like it's the same for us like and i think that's what's good about puma in a way that it's always well cheesy when someone's like oh forever faster and like you know tagline but i think there is an element of that that is in the day-to-day working and the ethos of the brand 
which empowers people to make more decisions in a smaller group. I mean, you still have the stuff that you need to ladder up. It's a given in a corporation, but you have more chance to to do those kind of decision makings or, you know, if it's gone out, we need to get it out in that hour. It is what it is. We're trusted and we, we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just to bring it back to the content. And so we've got content that ticks the channels over. So uh, you mentioned before Farm on Fire, which I actually think is a really great roundup on on Mondays, right? On Insta stories, whereby you cover everything that's happened on the weekend, whether it be clubs, players in, individually. And it's a really nice roundup. So that along with the content throughout the week is you kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of ticking the channel over. But naturally, there are also big moments throughout the season. So so many clubs, so many leagues, so many players to look out for. But then how does your strategy change for the bigger campaigns? So you've got, you know, new player signings like the Neymars, the big tier one signings, club sponsorships. I know you've you've got, you know, Palmeiras out in Brazil, which is just, the fans are just mad. You'll <laughs> yeah, know on crazy. Twitter, they're just crazy. Is there a shift in the way you do things for these big, big moments? Yes and no. Like I think we have now in the last year, like, built and developed like a quite a solid foundation of the strategy that we want to follow regardless of the moment. So I think, like you said, we've got a lot of different things we need to factor in, um, but at the end of the day, it all needs to come or deliver against the top line strategy that we have. I think it's more like how we approach each topic is different uh, in terms of, I don't know, the volume of content that is needed, the how big the moment is, what the current kind of landscape is and the culture at that time. And I think this we have the same goal in mind of creating like this authentic, unique approach. But like you said, it does need to differ in some instances of a Neymar signing is obviously a massive deal for us when we had it. And we had very little time to turn that around. Um, just like everyone else, we found out wasn't very long. So I think... There's a lot of external factors that influence what you can do, but there's also a lot of, if you have like having this base has definitely allowed us internally just to like, have a more solid start than starting again from scratch every time. So we have like this base, kind of like a good foundation that we build upon in a different way. Um, like you said, major tournaments, like this year we approached it a little bit different for the Euros maybe compared to some other uh, competitors in the space were a bit more I wouldn't say trend driven but like social driven in the communications that we did the content was a bit more fun uh, we tried to cover a lot more ambassadors than you know some other channels like you said a lot of the time it's very like emotional content it's very talking about where players come from what they do and like obviously that's important to us but it's also important to have the balance of the other stuff that makes us different um and it's a bit more like you know I mean with TikTok it's just kind of changed the game again in a good way for us because it allows us I to, think so yeah to to be more on this strategy and now everyone else it like feels like it's more like fitting in with the the social lens at the moment I think I think you're absolutely right there TikTok is so puma you yeah. know like when we talked about competitors being more emotional obviously it's quite difficult to be you know it's quite a silly kind of fun platform right so yeah. it fits in with the community younger vibe I remember some of the the TikToks that we we produced together for the Euros you know just a bit stupid, really, but quite funny and just shows the athletes in a different light, actually, because when we were filming them, they want to get involved in this sort of stuff. They want to show their personalities off through this type of fun content, as opposed to kind of standing there with a pair of boots in the hands. Obviously, we have to do that in, in 
certain aspects of the campaigns, but for social specific stuff, just to let them have fun, I think yeah. TikTok is an absolute win for that. Yeah, like you can show off the athletes without it always being so like gritty and dramatic, yeah, can't exactly. you? I think it's just nice to touch base with them for the little moments as well. And they are normal people. They're just like yeah. just like everyone else. Yeah, I mean, they probably fit more in that environment because they live in the dressing room essentially. So they've got that kind of banter between them. They do love doing it. And I think, uh, yeah, for, for, for the Puma brand, it is absolutely perfect. Yeah, no, it does fit well. And it's helped us just with the education and like you said, getting people involved more, like getting people to understand why this is like right for us and how like even just the numbers that we saw from the Euro were so big compared to previous competitions, compared to you know, benchmarks from other people that were going on at that time. And I think that being able to reflect what we do with now good you know, solid KPIs is wide, getting that wider education in the company, in the, you know, sometimes it's a bit old school in terms of how things approach in the football industry. So I think like just getting everyone on board with this is definitely helping our cause to to get more content from the players, even without us being on set, like briefing them, they send us stuff, um, which definitely helps. Um, but I think, yeah, it's like a balance that we said. We also still want to have like that area. We still, it's still a, a focus for the responsibility areas, the stuff that is important, but it's like, it's not just one dimensional. You can have both and you can, you can tell a story that's maybe, you know, more serious. The content, I feel like it doesn't need to be that the creative necessarily, like visually, it's always like quite boring and serious. You can, you can do it, you know, both ways. Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess like sort of one final question from me, bringing it back a little bit um, to our overarching and looking at this sort of moments versus product strategy. How would you like split up the percentages of like how much stuff you guys put out goes towards these reactive moments versus, um, you know, like big campaign moments or like regular product marketing just for anyone listening who's interested in this more reactive style of social marketing? Yeah, I think... I'm going to put me in the spot with like specific percentages. I would say rough, rough roughly. Like Dragon's uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I would say roughly we try to probably do, let's say 30, 30%, 40% of like brand, say brand. I mean, when I say brand initiatives, like more con- content led from not product, but like that product is more heavily involved in it. And then I would yeah, like say, brand building. Yeah, like brand building stuff. And then I'd say like, for example, quite a big I don't know so from 30 for that another 40 uh is probably just the day-to-day planned reactive let's say it's mm-hmm. stuff that we know that's going on we know social trends we look at weekly okay what's the TikTok thing we want to jump on this week or what's the moment that the you know coming up from a player what we've got which who's got the 100th game who's done uh who's got the big uh, derby coming up so that would be kind of fitting in to that bucket then we have Stuff that I would say is cross BU uh, and non-football specific. Uh, let's say 15, 20% of that is is kind of... Is this making 100? Cows? I don't know if this is... <laughs> We're like, like 95. 90% is it? <laughs> we'll my find math. 5% from somewhere. I think okay. we'll be right. <laughs> well, math's clearly, I didn't do it at uni. Uh, and that's like the more cross BU stuff. You know, I feel like culture is more integrated now. It's not just the football, football, football. It's like what they're doing in the outside. What are we doing as a brand? Those kind of things. And then very small is like actual reactive, whatever. It's 5%, 10%. I don't know where we're on it from 100, but it's very (laughs) small in terms of like, we didn't know it was going to happen because 
is in that moment we need to post in the next hour obviously there's the situations where we need to turn it around in a few days that kind of comes into that 40 percent we've got bigger and i think that makes our life so much easier like when i first started it was basically a free-for-all on you know okay oh look there's actually a game happening let's you know it was a little bit less structured so i think we've just over the last five i don't even know how long it feels like a long time that i've been here now we've built uh, a process that sort of helps us to alleviate that stress because no one wants a like post Champions League 11 p.m. call being like where is that from your GM or CEO or someone it's it's very stressful so I'm just like avoid that at all costs. No, definitely, I think it's necessary. But yeah, there you go for anyone listening. Industry secrets: a lot of reactive content is in fact planned, and I think that is the way to do it. Unless, like Abby says, you want to be extremely stressed. <laughs> so, um, no, what a great chat! I mean, thank you so much for joining us today. No, no, I really appreciate it. So as I mentioned in the intro, I've worked with Abby personally for three years now and, and always found her a, a fascinating figure in the, in the sports game in general. Um, I think how she came across there and, and the insight she's provided is brilliant for anyone or any brands looking to keep up to date in sport. And I'm constantly on the pulse. You know, sport changes so quickly. It's minute by minute. And for a, a global brand such as Puma, who I think are at their peak right now in terms of content, to do such a good job is 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 down to Abby essentially and and her her team that works with her. Oh, definitely, and I think it really is a credit to the team and just the the commitment to as we touched on today that community aspect that even someone like myself who isn't an avid football fan can really appreciate the quality of that content um, from afar and it's the kind of stuff that will engage the masses and engage the hyper fans on like a grassroots level and um, because it is that sort of personalized to the athletes and and those specific moments that you know the fans care about um, I think one thing that struck me from today's episode though is the fact that everyone knows that reactive social happens a lot in sports but I still hear a lot from brands or like having worked with a lot of brands that five layers of approval processes, there mm. seems to be a little bit of sort of giving up um, when people talk about reactive content and saying, well, it's just not possible because we know that we have to get X sign off from, you know, wherever. But it is possible. Like this, this yeah. here's a brand like proving it where you can plan, um, you know, you can plan to be reactive, but some things you, you know, you can be quite quick to. Yeah, that that small team, like we talked about, in terms of being agile and efficient, is is an absolute win. But to see it in a an organisation so big, so big as Puma mm. are, uh, is a rarity. I think you'd actually be surprised to find out how small this yeah, team actually is. Big brand, is. small teams. I think that's maybe the yeah. recipe for it, though. Well, yeah, but then you know, like she said, you know, you have to scale, and then actually team scale, and that's where it could possibly get lost. But that's why I'm so impressed with how they've actually managed that. Just going back to that personal approach that you talked about, it's amazing what that can do. So we've worked on content for players of a literally 14 year olds mm. uh, who've just been signed by Puma and they give them they want to give them the full treatment like Neymar's just been signed and it's actually amazing what social content can do um, for contract negotiations if you go to sign the world's best young player and actually go we're not only going to give you the best product in the game we'll support you on social we'll put you on our platforms but we'll also give you content after every game if you have an amazing performance we'll support you there as well and mm. it's so so powerful i think it's i think it's so underrated maybe i'm giving away the it's people's making secret them here, feel valued as well though absolutely. isn't it 
I mean, like, it's probably worth noting as well that this goes beyond just, you know, when we're saying, like, content about the athletes, it's not a photo of them on the pitch that you're going to see everywhere, is it? Like, you get some really, like, custom stuff. Exactly. So that was where our social factory was born from, right? So we were seeing Getty images all over the feed. Anyone can get them. Obviously, club photographers are there. Everyone gets the same image and posts the same image. Well, actually, no, let's take a step back. One, let's brand this up a touch more, but brand it up in a really clever way that's unique. It'll stand out on the feed and it's more personal to the player. Mm. It, you know, it means they love it as well, though. And exactly. Like, I mean, it's something you've they've seen never seen. them use it on other things as well, haven't they? The actual athletes yeah. asking if they can like take this asset and put it here, there, yeah, wherever. So we, we've had um, we had Alan St. Maxman from Newcastle. He, he wanted to uh, get one of our illustrations put on a pair of trainers. That's sick. <laughs> yeah, and it just shows they, they absolutely love this. Who was they the athlete that you guys did that the darts thing? Like it had that extra yeah. layer of significance. So James what was Madison, that? yeah. So he's a massive darts fan and, and the darts were on around Christmas time and I think he scored on Boxing Day. It was also his hundredth appearance, actually. So we had him basically in the carousel post throwing darts in his personalized dart shirt. He, he scored a hundred on the board, and that was obviously the hundredth appearance, mm. but it was linking, as Abby said there, cross sport, linking cultural relevance mm. to milestones which we'd planned for. Then the reactive on the goal, it just, mm. it was, it worked and the numbers were huge on it. Yeah. Amazing execution as well. It's actually like a really cool looking illustration that anyone would be like proud to have sit on their socials, I think, which makes all the difference. Yeah. And just a, just a quick shout out to all the sports content creators out there. So we work with, uh, literally our roster is hundreds wide uh, and there's, there's so many across the board that we've actually got to know on a personal level. And they're from, you know, ranging from Australia to Colombia to probably the Antarctic, we've got people everywhere who we're in contact with. And I know they feel slightly disrespected as a community having, having worked with them. Um, but what they actually do, their content is so good. Their niche is so good and they are always on. You know, when we talk about being on at 11 o'clock at night, mm. they are always on it. Just a big shout out to them because we work with them personally and I know Puma do as well through different markets. And um, yeah, that personalized content is, is so, so powerful. And I, and I think it's something that every brand can embrace if they really want to.